one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions. And a round of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet Sidgwick to look ahead to AEW Dynamite tonight. And what a show this looks on paper, Sidge. Yeah, it looks pretty goddamn incredible on paper. Lots of nice storyline developments where we don't even know the story yet in uh, terms of a particular return. A, a platform for a ridiculous stunt that kind of at this point don't care how contrived it will be. And I don't think it will be because they care about the sort of thing. Banger matches genuinely black comedic moments of potential. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Like my low key favorite thing is not one of the, the key attractions, put it that way. Mm. Yeah. It's just nice to see. I think this was, I, I felt it really important to labor on why AEW did such a good job of producing like the, the perfect post pay-per-view content of late, like the table setting dynamites for all that we could see what they were doing. Like in the past, I mean, it didn't necessarily make for the most entertaining shows. I think they've really found the perfect compromise over the past couple of weeks. And now what you get is some of the ramifications of some of that table setting being done, as well as some pay-per-view hangover stuff that is still really, really hot. It's still really exciting. They don't just, it doesn't all need to be, you don't need a thick back line drawn on night one after Revolution. There's lots of stuff that you can drag out. There's lots of stuff you can make wait. You've got, what, two, three hours a week of television. It's you know, we've hammered this point home a lot lately, but I don't think it's ever been quite so relevant. Let it play out being bastardised for so long um, <laughs> is just another thing AEW have rescued from the brink because mm-hmm. just over and over and over again, your trust is generally rewarded. And, you know, in terms of especially the headline thing we're talking about, it's not been a stressful thing at all that a certain person returning tonight has yet to speak until now. If anything, it's just added the excitement to tonight's episode. Yeah, some big, big matches to look forward to. But let's dive into what you referenced there, Hamlet. Uh, a highly anticipated return from the winner of the Punk MJF feud. So how do you feel MJF's going to talk about um, open up, opening up about screwing Wardlow last week? God damn this guy and God damn your absolute BS, man. I, I, to did he not, the did he not win 2-1? Or, sorry, my note's wrong here, but I think he won 2-1. Hmm. 
So. To, to answer the question you didn't ask, I'm super excited about CM Punk's return. <laughs> you rotten toady. Um, it's it's just really cool to be excited to see a man that you know can talk, talk, right? We get definitive stories in AW. We get definitive outcomes. Results matter. And that result, of course, will matter loads. It doesn't mean that MJF and CM Punk are never going to, like, maybe come back together once upon a time down the road. It doesn't mean that there won't be these little, like, glares that you imagine that might happen on the odd times. They might have to cross paths backstage in AW, but it's okay within wrestling's rules and frameworks that are followed by AW for CM Punk's business to be concluded with MJF. And that in itself is what makes this booking so, like, this, this way that they book so satisfying. Punk can come out tonight and he could theoretically issue a challenge to Hangman Page if he wanted. He could theoretically look at the rankings and think, right, all I've got to do is pick off anybody else on there because it's my time for a title shot now. He could do, if he wanted, as Chris Jericho did, because Punk's that good at it, a welcome to AEW Dynamite at promo and probably get away with it. Yeah, There's not many game show hosts that could do it quite as well because Punk managed that when he was in WWE. This promotion is great but it's even greater when you've got people that you just genuinely want to hear from, regardless of what their issue. I think it's so wise that they haven't even, like they haven't remotely played a hand in what CM Punk might want to talk about. That in itself is the hook. And I, I sort of feel spoiled as a wrestling fan that something, like at this point, the market leader could never dream of being able to dangle AEW have done so effortlessly. I've got no idea what he's going to say. I've got, well, I've got some idea of the content of the promo and the direction of the character, but I don't know the personnel involved and what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to come out, put MGF over at the same time as he firmly establishes that he won the rivalry. And as a result, he's got that out of the way. It all started with him saying that I want that title. And MJF also wants that title, but we are an inch of those crosshairs, so we kind of have to, one of us has to take the other out before we proceed with the entire purpose of professional wrestling, which is not to desperately appear on Vince McMahon's coveted WrestleMania stage, but to win goddamn championships. I think it's not trending in that direction just yet, but you will be clever enough to make it seem like that is the direction because that is the ultimate goal all of the time in the sports promotion. So I think he's going to say something to the effect of, it's about time that I claim what I've truly come here for, and that is the big one, the AEW title, at which point he is interrupted to set up an interim TV-level program before I expect he works Hangman Page at double or nothing. Who that might be against, I've no idea, because the, I, the joy of AEW Dynamite is that it's so well booked and it's so well thought out and it's so expansive in its use of the roster that a lot of guys, if not all of the all of the wrestlers who are on the level of a CM Punk or just below are embroiled in storylines at present. Part of me thinks that, and I'm only saying this because I saw Ricky Starks oh. post a gif underneath CM Punk saying, I'm going to come to Texas. And Ricky Starks, I think, did posted a GIF of someone looking under a shutter or like, you know, blinds where you can mm-hmm. look between them if you pull them up. So, some GIF alluding to the fact that he was taking an interest in CM Punk's return. Um, Starks is one of the names that Punk um, listed on that five-name list of a tweet, which in hindsight was, oh, well, he's coming in then. <laughs> and if he's not, 
ring him up. He's watching and he loves it. Um, so potentially they could fold CM Punk into the ongoing Keith Lee, Swerve, Punk versus Team Taz. That way you can finally actually send Hook. Um, I think Powerhouse Hobbs also recently said that CM Punk actually sits with him um, and critiques Powerhouse yeah. Hobbs' matches with him as soon as they're done. And everyone's wanted Punk versus Starks for a long, long time. So there's potential for CM Punk to do something within that um, ahead of or just before Double or Nothing, in fact. But again, it's so well booked that you can't even do process of elimination because virtually everyone of note that would theoretically be interesting for a CM Punk to work is kind of embroiled in another conflict right now. Yeah, I was just there looking is, at the was... roster page there. And, and like you say, yeah, it's, it's hard to... You know, we normally play a game on WWE where you just go, oh, stop, pick a number or whatever. But, you know, a feud that you think that they would actually do, you know, they're not going to put in with Fuego Del Sol for the next few weeks or whatever. Because it is, he's in a bit of a weird bit of limbo, isn't he, Hamlet? Because like you say, you feel like we're getting probably a rematch between Cole and Page and Bell and the Beals next month. And then you've got to bring in... I think, personally, you know what may, may well happen tonight is Hangman Page comes out. Because there's not... It's not confirmed, Cole Page at the Battle of the Bells, is it? It's not official. I mean, uh, by virtue of the win last week, yeah, it's all but certain. But that's what I mean is so because it's not official, I'd have Hangman Page come out and go, Look, I've been a fan of yours, blah, blah, impressed by what you did. Uh, and I'd love to to put this on the line against you. And I've had Adam Cole, I know he's in action, so it's complicating things a little bit, come out and be like, Whoa, 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 not so fast. I'm going to just be the, the annoying, obnoxious knobhead, basically. What do you reckon, Hamlet? Well, it's tricky to, this is a bit WWE book in this, so I'm not necessarily expecting it, but it's the same as you. I was just trying to like think of people that might be potentially available and people that are in and around this show in general. The um, Tornado tag match, it's private party in the Butcher and the Blade, isn't it? Against two of Punk's only allies uh, and two people that he didn't necessarily get along with all the time. But, you know, it's a, it's a big world and we can all live in it together. So maybe like Punk uh, and Andrade spins off the back of Punk running Andrade off, you mm. know, to like, to help sort of, that's a four on four. Um, it's tricky to lay that out because if you have, CM Punk returns feels like the sort of thing you open a dynamite with, or you put on maybe after the opening match where, you know, he gets his big entrance, he just gets time to talk. And as Cedric points out, you can almost sort of visualize that interruption happening after Punk has said all the important, like MJF postscript stuff. So it's a bit tricky then bringing back out later on, it sort of neutralizes the pop, but, I don't know. I was just thinking of Punk Andrade out of having nobody else yeah. to mind. Um, you know, like what uh, What about like a, a singles feud with somebody from the House of Black or somebody like that? There's You're not sure of great matches to give CM Punk something to do on television as the last kind of... It'd be transparent, but that's like that transparency is not always the worst thing. Like that transparent delaying tactic between him and Paige at Double or Nothing. That, that feels inevitable. And that, again, is a credit to the booking of CM Punk. The stuff that people, and, you know, if they listen to this podcast, they will have been, but the sort of stuff that we begged people to be patient over. Mm. Punk's booking has been, like, not every match has been perfect, but the booking and the intent has been absolutely impeccable. And I think you get that. You get the prize of that now when this Hangman Page match feels so inevitable and you were basically looking for a few last hurdles because it feels like, well, yeah, it absolutely has to be him. 
Uh, Sage, lots of matches to look forward to. I know there's one you are desperate to talk about, which we will get to, but let's uh, start by one that I'm sure you're looking forward to just as much. A wild tornado tag team match uh, is the Hardy Sting and Darby Allen versus Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade, which means it's going to be a great dynamite as per the usual calculations. Uh, how do you see this one going? I see it with a feel-good babyface win, and hopefully this is all wrapped up with one permutation still left to play with that being a singles match between Darby Allen and Andrade. Their physical chemistry is absolutely outstanding. Darby Allen versus anyone bigger than him is guaranteed to be great and everyone's bigger than him. That's how good Darby Allen is. But in particular, Andrade and Darby have something special together. And I think it would be a, a sore waste, particularly given how the storyline started, if it isn't ultimately paid off mm. with Darby versus Andrade. But for now... I mean, Jeff, just to reiterate your point, the Butcher and, and, and Darby had a great match on Rampage. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. But it's Jeff's second match in. You don't book them to lose something like this. There are, let's face it, four people you can pin on the opposing side. And I think this match literally exists so that Jeff Hardy can climb up something set up some tables below and dive off it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they could do a, uh, a stereo with all four guys wow. doing something like coffin drop and frog splash from Darby and Sting. And then one of the Hardy's double team aerial moves like the, the leg drop and the punch or whatever. They could do it from the respective tunnels. Ooh. Like that, there's going to be some kind of iconic, ridiculous spot at the end of this. And Butcher and the Blade are incredible at plunder brawls. We saw it with the uh, the bunkhouse match, mm -hmm. uh, the false count anywhere with the books. Darby Allen's great in this context. It provides the necessary shortcuts for Sting and the Hardys. This is the sort of thing with AEW that not only has it got a flaw of super fun, ridiculously fun, it's got a ceiling of genuinely, this could appear on the Sting of Dynamite. Yeah, they can point. do a spot here that appears on the opening intro the credits, if you like, of, of Dynamite. Feel good, babyface, when ends everything to do with the AHFO, Hardy and Andrade. But as I said, one more time, I'm saying it for the third time in the space of two minutes, just to manifest it, yeah. Darby versus Andrade in a singles match, and then it shall be done. Yeah, I've been pretty critical of this whole storyline. However, you've got to trust the process in terms of when the bell rings because the last time it did it was awesome you know this is it's a little bit cheeky really this this is like it's virtually a pay-per-view rematch just with enough different pieces on the chessboard that it feels brand new you know they're kind of like they're kind of getting away with one here because you could present something almost identical to what you got a revolution and it wouldn't particularly feel like a lift, you know, like it, they, for one, that was something that was paid for. So maybe some people won't have, won't have potentially seen, or it's something that will feel like a gift because you're getting something that they've just told you is pay-per-view worthy on television. So it's kind of quite a, quite a cheeky, but fairly shrewd way to deliver what almost feels like a rematch. I'm very, very ready for the end of this feud with the caveat that yeah, Darby Allen and Andrade would be pretty great. want to just like echo my own love for that Darby Allen butcher match on rampage absolutely tremendous and fur furthered like hostility that I didn't necessarily feel was there. That's the thing that's always bothered me about this um, Andrade family office Sting and Derby and all the associated players. It wasn't just that it felt like too fluffy and nonsense of Sting and Derby Allen. I, I never really felt like I understood what they were fighting over. I didn't really feel much hatred between the group. It was just a bunch of dickheads on a staircase and some <laughs> like, ever. 
I never like actually grasped a sense of contentiousness between any of them. And then they have this absolutely chaotic brawl on a pay-per-view that creates a bit of hostilities to the point where you've got this rampage singles match where the butcher looks like he wants to murder Darby Allen. Now, now, yeah, now I buy it at the last and it's, it's maths and it's science rolled into one dynamites, the blade on a Wednesday night, this episode can't miss. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this match. And from the Hardys to another man looking to make, him, make it to the top of his profession, <laughs> uh, Adam Cole. Facing <laughs> <laughs> Jay Lethal, Hamlet. Uh, we sort of given this away, but uh, another step on the road to Battle of the Brills, one would assume this. Yeah, the best thing this can do is be better than a three-star match. You know, that that's the sort of... That's, that's all you can really expect beyond the obvious, which is, of course, the Adam Cole victory. He's This is not one of those uh, obvious winner versus obvious loser matches where you're going to get the surprise upset and you're going to see this huge moment for Jay Lethal where he goes off on some unexpected trip to maybe getting like a TNT title shot or something. This is a further W for Adam Cole, as was last week's, as is all too rehabilitating, presumably, for this one last go at um, Hangman Page. The quality isn't in doubt I don't think. I know a lot of people seem to be selling some stock on Adam Cole in terms of the ring. I don't think the quality is in doubt. I could do like without ever really needing to see Jay Lethal, but we know what he brings in ring. Um, and it's, yeah, because the result is such an inevitability, you'll be looking for something that elevates this beyond that kind of that uh, three and three quarter ceiling that these predictable dynamite matches have. Siege, we all think that Adam Cole is going to win. So I'm going to ask you something a little bit different about this. Do you think this could be the first example of AEW possibly even being used as a sort of weird road to uh, super card of honour. I know that's only a, what, a week and a half away. Do you think they're going to do pay? Because it's Lethal's Moriarty. Is, is that who's facing? I think it's Jay Lethal versus yeah. Lee Moriarty, yeah. They're going, to have, they're going to have to be exceptionally careful with how they build this finish. Obviously, Adam Cole's going to win. They are obviously going to prioritise AEW, which is a television entity over ROH, which, as discussed, is either a vanity project a mad whim or a developmental league. <laughs> you can use all sorts to describe ROH, depending on the extent of which is cynical. No, and you, but you can never ever say rival or competing promotion or anything like that. It's a lesser concern, whichever, if you want to be euphemistic or cynical about it. But as you pointed out, they might do some cross promotion. They would be daft. It'd be very WWE if they didn't mention like something that's happening that the audience knows it'll be two WWE. So it's a bit of a curious match to book. Yes, you get a guaranteed very good match between Cole and Lethal. Um, but yeah, you might see an appearance of Moriarty. At the very least, you might see um, a throwaway line on commentary, but you're going to have to book Jay Lethal to look incredibly competitive against Adam Cole. And in doing so, you have the commentary team instruct and condition the audience about how tenured and how well-respected and how accomplished Jay Lethal is. Like, hammer that home, if nothing else. Because, mm. again, I hate <clears> the <throat> idea of them just pinning Jay Lethal in 12 minutes of a three-and-a-half-star match and then just ignoring the fact that ROH is happening, mm. you know, and in a big show, nonetheless. In terms of the quality, they had a match, I think it was a 2016 Death Before Dishonor, and Cole ended Jay Lethal's famous long, year-long uh, reign with the ROH world title and it was a total banger not the most intricate of storylines near fall upon near fall upon near fall at the finish moves with a Z but in the most intoxicating way mm -hmm. if they can condense that type of action 
into a 14-minute dynamite opener, then this should be genuinely exceptional. I don't think it's going to be that good, but it should be very, very good at a minimum. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, since you've waited long enough, uh, let's talk Brian Danielson and John Moxley versus the Varsity Blondes. <laughs> like CM Punk's going to cut a great promo. MJF's going to cut a great promo. Jeff Hardy's going to do a swanton bomb off a ridiculous height through lots of tables. And yet, the thing I'm most anticipating <laughs> on this show is watching Brian Danielson kick the tits, <laughs> literally kick the tits of Brian Pillman Jr. He's going to murder him. And there's, I think that Tony Khan uses the word great as an adjective for everything. Oh, yeah, you know, full gear 2021. Oh, that was a great show. Oh, you know, this person who, Shavo Guerrero did great work for us. <laughs> you can't use that word in those two contexts. Yeah. He's just, he plays the media-friendly game. But he's got a bit of a cruel streak running through him as Tony Khan, which just kind of goes under the radar by virtue of the fact that he isn't Vince McMahon. What a curve to play with. He's got a low-key cruel streak. And my favorite manifestation of that is the way in which he has booked Brian Pillman Jr. following Dynamite Grand Slam last year. He is a guy <laughs> who he books to look like a geek to get the <laughs> absolute crap kicked out of him. And I just adore it. Nothing personal against Brian Pillman Jr., if I'm being nice, he seems like uh, he's had a hard bloody life. Oh, yeah. And he seems like a, at best, <laughs> incredibly naive, incredibly naive young man. Mm. Nonetheless, a lot of people think he's an idiot. Yeah. A lot of people like watching him get kicked, get his teeth kicked in <laughs> by Malachi Black. Brian after he, after he botched, in yeah. inverted commas, uh, yeah. Danielson is going to murder him and it's going to be so entertaining. Like, more entertaining than I should find it, yeah. but entertaining nonetheless. In terms of, obviously, Danielson and Moxley win. It'll be the third on the bounce. They are clearly being groomed and I can't wait for this to do a run with the tag team championships. So that's not in doubt. Ratio of offense-wise, I expect Garrison will get something. And it, what I would like is if they entertain the notion, because it puts everyone over. If they entertain the notion of everyone potentially entering the dojo, whether they're going to or not, it puts everyone over. 
Uh, it gives a purpose to these matches beyond the rankings. It makes it feel like the ones that do make it in there have earned it. Yes, that's a great point. Great point. So, oh, Garrison got a hope spot there. Maybe we could have something. Pillman Jr. stretches out his hand and Danielson kicks away and kicks him in again. <laughs> Stamps on his fingers. Cannot wait for this. And the result means we are ever closer to Danielson and Jungle Boy, which is just a combination of the endless combinations that now that's just popped into my head will be absolutely fantastic. Jungle Boy's famed storyline resilience versus Danielson's absolute refusal to not kick ass is violence. Hmm. That will be incredible, and this will be incredible too. Will this not fold in? Did I Have I imagined this? Have the House of Black put a curse on me? Or have they brought the Julia Hart thing back up? Was there not eye patch stuff? There was a video, I think, on Instagram or some social media, yeah, of teasing some eye patch thing alongside the House of Black. Well, we said we were going to retire. Could, we like the House of Black now, don't yes. we? Could we? Is it possible that by wishing so much violence by Danielson and Moxley into existence here, that it's not so much magic powers or the, the Black Mist that has convinced Julia Hart to leave the Varsity Blondes to the House of Black. It's just this kicking. She just looks at her men getting <laughs> back and just thinks, I do not want to be with these people anymore. And then she walks up the ramp, ready to leave. And there's the House of Black stood all together, like ready to welcome her in. I, like my assumption was that if, if I saw it somewhere, even if it wasn't necessarily on AW television, and I know the talent had probably given a bit of free reign to have a bit more fun on social media with angles. And Malachi Black especially loves this stuff. Felt like that, that was, we were being informed that that isn't a dead thread and she's not just walking around with an eye patch for no reason. So, could they, like, might this actually have some like storyline implication for the blondes as well? That this is the night Julia Hart says, enough's enough, use us absolute scrubs. This is uh, just to reiterate because I feel like it's you two often making this point and, and, and I'm quite quiet on it. This is why this is a difference. Monday Night Raw advertised AJ Styles' back and that was it when we went to record. We've got all these matches, all these things that have been announced. And it's not just Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal or the Hardys and Sting and Darby Allen versus Private Party and Butcher and Blade, or in particular here, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley, uh, Brian Danielson Moxley versus Varsity Blondes. You've got the consideration of, like you say, Julia Hart. You've got the consideration of, 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 of Andrade with, with all the other stuff that we talked about. Like what's going on with, with Wheeler Utah now and, and, and the best friends. It's this, what, like, a multi-layered, weaved together patchwork of a of a promotion, rather than just I don't know, here's a match where we all because the thing is, don't let Eric Bischoff you say that. Yeah, well, it's the, the thing <laughs> is, it's like WWE has a lot of matches where where are we going? And I go tonight, Sige, it's I don't know, a DQ. Yeah, well, Roman Reigns versus a jobber, and you go Roman Reigns wins. But there's now else we can say about it. Whereas with this, I think that's the beauty of it, yeah. is, is there's other swirling factors to a lot of these things. Yeah, absolutely. The, the hard part is never, obviously it's really hard to craft an amazing wrestling story, but the hard part is never doing what wrestling has done forever, which is find reasons for wrestlers to compete against one another. It's given them enough characteristics that there are ideas for everybody, that there are justifiable reasons. You don't need to have somebody bump into somebody in a corridor or as Chris Jericho did once, spill coffee on Kane. Like that bit's not the important bit. It's the fact that these have personality traits and lives like that we can infer happen when the cameras aren't rolling that then give us reason to put these people together. 
it's mm. it, that's the really tricky bit because it takes care and attention to all of these characters and for the most part i would i would well i would say probably 95 percent of these people have got characters that being said I, I probably would watch brian danielson and john moxley fight over shampoo so yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and another match that i'm really looking forward to tonight is the first match of the jericho appreciation society it is Jericho and the sports entertainer himself, Daniel Garcia versus uh, Silver and Reynolds. And me and Sid had a little bit of a pitch for this as well, discussing this before we came in here, that we think the rest of the Jericho Appreciation Society should be on commentary. Yeah, I mean, 2.0 are great at being like... Well, give them their proper names now. They've got proper names. Sorry, um, Cool Hand Ange and Daddy Magic <laughs> are exceptional and like yearning for the camera and being little like disturbers at ringside and just generally being like me mugging nuisances yeah. but they are also incredible the promos so it doesn't matter where you put them in this arrangement of a television angle segment they're going to be great value either way but we love the idea of them just putting them over relentlessly a few sports entertainment cliches could it be Oh my, he's going for the Lions team. I like that kind of thing. Or just, just a straight up. I don't like Reynolds. Why do you get a taste? In terms of the match itself, like Garcia and Silver working together should be fantastic. Oh yeah. Little, it's very, 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 very early for this. But little hints of Garcia going really technical with his work and Jericho on the apron just kind of going, come on, it's showbiz, kid, and then making him do some, like... A flex pose. A flex pose and stuff like that. Like, there's... The, there's I was listening to Alvarez um, and Brian and Vinny on the Brian and Vinny show, and they were going through their, their review of the Jericho Appreciation Society, and they were just saying, and I have to parrot this take, that you can fantasy book endless amounts of material for this. And they, in fact, that was my take, by the way, that they should fantasy book for that Jericho and Garcia. I'm not ripping them off. I'm just putting over their take. They, in fact, start fantasy booking so many different things that the Jericho Appreciation Society could do that Brian Alvarez changed his mood and started to get pissed off that they hadn't done enough of them yet. (laughs) Because that's (laughs) how many things that they can do. And we have Hager on commentary, but he doesn't say anything either. Yeah, he doesn't say a goddamn thing. Yeah, I love all of that. The idea that um, Garcia's got some like incredibly intricate hold on like John Silver or something, and then Jericho gets him to turn it all the way around so he's working the hard camera. Yeah, like, no, that way. Like he screams from the apron, no, that way, that way. And like Garcia's got eyeball the hard camera for a second. And Jericho says, "Ah, now you got him. That sells t-shirts, kids, or you know whatever." Like the the fun that you can have in matches. In it's very much like I'm so. I don't think Jericho got a lot of credit for this last week um, of all the things that he was getting credit for and, and this group were and this idea was. The sports, sports entertainment being this dirty word is like the sort of thing that me and Sidgwick would have raged on message boards about in 2001. Not the sort of stuff that you can still justifiably be an edgelord about in 2022. I think one of the, like, some of the most credit I can afford Jericho is him saying that and then like him doing that sort of walking away snarling like, oh, take that, WWE. Got you. <laughs> Like there, nobody at this point cares anymore. It's like, uh, uh, by the way, and I'm, I'm not supposed to come out on Raw and being like, I'm not supposed to say this, but uh, I'm the best wrestler in this company. <laughs> it doesn't get the uh, ooze any more than it used to. And yeah, Jericho's like, I don't know, like put the, attach the jump leads to this whole thing in such a way that it feels like, oh, he's going there, he's going there. 
So I just think it's such an achievement that this is, that's what I was saying last week, this is very much not, whereas it would have once been so edgy that it would have felt like a main event thing, and I'm talking decades ago. It's not that now, but it's sort of a perfect mid-card vehicle as a result. He knows the exact ceiling for this sort of pattern, and I think that's key to the to the eventual success of this group, in contrast to how we set the inner circle up as basically being at the very top of AW first time around. It's a key difference. It's not going to damage the trajectory of um, Daniel Garcia and 2.0 at all. But I just think that's like a really key important difference as you start having fun with this. And because they're fighting in a tag team match now, you just open this up, don't you? After this, aren't the Dark Order, especially as they're in a bit of a state of flux as it is, the Dark Order are probably a perfect group for the Jericho Appreciation Society to get their first big wins over in singles and tags. Mm, absolutely. And just to piggyback off the back of that, I'm going to do... Uh, one of your pet hates from WWE and, and adapt it here for AEW. So I just thought, thinking there as you were talking about it, when the Jericho Appreciation Society come out together, all have to do a pose at the top of the ramp before they do anything. Yes. They walk down. Um, and I'm torn as well because I, I do want to hear from Daddy Magic and uh, Kulhan Ange. But then I also kind of want them to be there to eat the John Silver running around bumping into everyone's spot that we yes. always get. So maybe we can have a little Daddy, bit of Daddy Magic. Daddy Magic and Cool Hand on the desk, though, bollocking Jim Ross as if there were Vincent Mann is here. Hey, pronouns, pal! Yeah. Like, stuff like that. Like, just <laughs> yes. giving, him that, giving him that nightmarish reminder of what his life used to be like. Just get a few stupendices in there, just for the laughs. Come on, boys. Jim Ross will sporadically, like, self-deprecate and say, oh, he catches himself and goes, oh, there he is again, pronoun boy. I'm convinced... <laughs> Seriously, he said this about five times over the span of, what, two and a half years of AEW's existence at this point? They're up three, pretty much. Mm. He keeps saying, I've done it again, pronoun boy, and like, uh, I think Vince McMahon used to call him pronoun boy. <laughs> Honestly, I think, uh, who's he, pronoun boy? And like, I'm sorry. Excalibur as well for naming the moves. No one cares what the moves are named. So just say, just say move. What a manoeuver. Yeah, just say what a manoeuver instead. <laughs> Shout tag every time somebody tags. Tag! Hey, hey, Ra, I thought you were out. You didn't even call that tag. <laughs> oh, I'm giddy with excitement for this one. Uh, we've also played, got a rubber match between uh, Red Velvet and uh, God bless you. God bless me. God bless. Right. Um, Chris Dallander banned from ringside. Who emerges victorious from this one? Because it feels like they are uh, transitioning into a, a potential feud, I suppose, with Statlander, who's obviously got this. Uh, Changed character, let's say. Yeah, um, I liked, didn't love the Red Velvet Layla Hirsch match on Rampage because I'm more, it's been less about the inner quality in the women's division, more about the fact that, again, just to sort of parrot something from earlier in the podcast, they're at least establishing characters for people. Feels like everybody is worthy of the television time they're getting. Of course, it would be nice to get a second match on Dynamite or that, that constant, like, sort of grasp for a bit more representation. But these characters are so much more fully formed than they once were. And we've seen this with like Statlander's transition of late, one that hasn't been just a rushed thing that they've thrown out. She's suffered setbacks and she's starting to question, as are others within Best Friends, just how valuable this stable are to their, you know, their actual success in AEW, because that's why stables are supposed to exist. So all of that feels super logical. It's probably pushed... Well, it hasn't pushed Statlander and Red Velvet's relationship to breaking point because they left together on Rampage after the after the Lady Hirsch, but I would expect Hirsch to win here. I think it was unfortunate that she was there for that all too easy 
Thunder Rosa gets her second title shot match. It was unfortunate. She won that um, match on the buy-in and that justified this big singles match, but ultimately that completely existed for Thunder Rosa to get another singles match. It was unfortunate that it was Hirsch because I feel like otherwise she's on a decent run at the moment. Mm. Um, and I would, I would quite like her to... Ultimately, I suppose Red Velvet and is supposed to get the win because good should triumph over evil. But I feel like Hirsch was getting somewhere and they kind of had to just ever slightly sacrifice that for that Rosa win. You can very, very quickly get back to the story you were telling with Hirsch as a newly minted heel, somebody that was finally figuring it all out because you've got two... I know Jay Cargill isn't technically a babyface, but she can easily slot into being a babyface as champion. You've got two figures who she could easily challenge for, like if, in title matches for Battle of the Bales anytime soon. She's sort of perfect for either Rosa or Cargill. So I would expect her to win. So they just slightly reset what they what they broke a little bit a couple of weeks ago. So odd want to run back. Dare I say lazy. Maybe it's just a nice way of capping this off because as much as we... Again, it's just... Do we not deem it important enough to discuss in the same breathless tones as other things on this podcast? Or do they not like put enough TV time into it? They've kind of built this, but it was a lot of it was on dark, which didn't help. They were doing trios matches on dark, which is a vehicle to set up these stranding storylines. So maybe it does deserve like an actual blow-off of a trilogy, but like a trilogy has got a certain weight to to it that this actual trilogy doesn't, if that makes any sense. Look, it should be fine. Hirsch goes over. You do Hirsch versus Statlander. Statlander goes over Hirsch. At the end of all of this, Statlander's the one who gets over and can potentially work Jade at double or nothing and go over. Ooh, I like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, Hirsch wins. I'll be honest, I was busy thinking about uh, an idea of having uh, uh, Matt and Ange say on commentary, you know what? I'm not only a fan of this tag team wrestling, but I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> so it should be so wonderfully absurd yes. that they are a tag team. <laughs> uh, finally, Sige, uh, we get to hear from Maxwell Jacob Friedman, uh, no doubt opening up about screwing Wardlow out of the TNT Championship last week. This, it's MJF. This is guaranteed to be brilliant. It's like a Brian, an MJF promo at this point is like a Brian Danielson match. Anything less than very good is literally inconceivable. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the approach he's going to take. Does he play salt of the earth and say, look, it wasn't me who cheated in those matches. Wardlow willingly gave me the ring and all the rest of it. Does he paint Wardlow as this mercenary who you shouldn't sort of enable? Is that sort of the real villain all along? I, it's it's MJF got a promo. Like, I kind of... Do it justice. It's, it's one thing to preview. And we do previews. It's one thing to preview the quality of a match mm. or a storyline direction or whatever. I don't know what he's going to say or how he's going to try and be a heel about it. How vicious can he be about Wardlow? There's no like, there's no weak spot. You know what I mean? Like with Punk, you can say he's old. With Brian Pillman Jr., you can say horrible things about his mother. With like Darby Allen, there's a really tragic backstory to the to the man's actual life. Um there's nothing really with Wardlow on the surface. So I'm, I'm fascinated and it just feels like I can't really speculate because I'm not as good as this as MGM. I've got an interesting tweet. I do apologize whoever sent this to us because it was, it was, it sparked a big discussion between me and Andy on the news a week or I think maybe last week, uh, suggesting that MGF just immediately replaces Wardlow with Brian Cage. There's like a like for like, well, got more muscle now, so I didn't actually need you really. And now how are you going to feed your family and help your mum out and what have you? I think that's maybe the target he's going to go for, the fact that, you know, he, he should have just 
known his place, you know, uh, and now he, he can't afford to provide for his family. They could do Labour's adjacent stuff with you have to do X, Y, and Z to get out of your contract. Oh, yeah. And like, Wardlow versus Sean Spears is going to have to happen at some point, so maybe there's some setup for that tonight. There's loads they can do, and the joy is that they've been building it for two years at this point. They've probably thought of the ending, much less these really entertaining last steps before mm. we get there. Is there a little bit, and like I'm asking the question to be corrected here, is there a little bit of plot hole cleaning up that MJF needs to do this week? Because what you just said there, Sajik, about the fact that Wardlow theoretically could still be under contract and he's the one that's broken the terms of the contract by not doing what was asked of him uh, for MJF against CM Punk. Would it not have still made more sense for MJF to make sure Wardlow won last week rather than paid... If he's paying Wardlow, and obviously isn't anymore, but then he pays American top team to beat him up and make sure Wardlow doesn't win the belt, and MJF doesn't get what he wants, which was the belt. Like, he wanted Wardlow to win the ring to then get the belt. It just so happened that the Wardlow turn happened in between that, and that was MJF's plan gone to pieces. But if Wardlow's still working for MJF, then wouldn't he have just said, wouldn't like, wouldn't the play, and couldn't the play still be, what are you doing thinking that this is all over? Last week's beating was to make a point that you were still under my employ and under my control. Because the only, I, I was thinking about what you were saying about like the, what is it exactly that you can go for him? MJF hates pause. And Wardlow, by definition of his character, is a poor because he needs money to feed his family. But it, that feels a bit too trivial for something that they put two years of work into. Just for MJF, have, like, haven't that feels like something you set up for a TV show? Is it worth backtracking ever so slightly and explaining why MJF at least didn't like? Wouldn't there have been some pretty cool torture in having to watch Wardlow have to hand that belt over after the turn has taken place? And maybe tonight's promo is there to kind of explain why he chose violence instead. He got betrayed by Wardlow at CM Punk, and um, it's just me sort of playing devil's advocate, if you like. Wardlow screwed him, in his mind, at Revolution, so it was like, like for like, and then yeah. he could maybe style that, yeah. and I didn't do anything. Like, he's the real villain all along. I did the exact same thing he did. In fact, he was worse. He gave me the inspiration, if anything. Like, I was just defending my honour or something like that. Um the fact that he didn't win, no, he did win. It was a bit odd how, oh, I don't think you're going to win it anyway. That maybe it's a plot hole. Maybe mm. they'll resolve it tonight. Just another reason they get hyped about it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, it's so unpredictable. Um, you can't, it's impossible to, you know, call what's going to be referenced even, let alone what's going to be specifically said. I don't know. I just feel like him forcing Wardlow to hand the belt over would would have made Wardlow look a bit weird. So I, I I get it. I completely understand that suggestion. I just don't know. I just don't. I think just in a wider picture. And you're right. They need to maybe explain this in storyline. But certainly as a fan, I was like, I'm kind of glad they haven't gone down that road. Um, my only other suggestion for tonight is maybe a string quartet plays MJF out and he says that's the only symphony you're going to hear tonight or something, or you know, some bollocks like that to be like middle finger to the fans like he likes to do if we're not going to target Wardlow specifically. So you do physically impossible wrestling fantasy booking spots. That would be great if you did like a triple rotation <laughs> yeah. moonsault. <laughs> yeah, Sting, Sting does a coffin drop. Yeah, I don't think they can do that. And now you are getting them to hire a symphony orchestra for a, for a throwaway heel line. He's got the you money. Have, exactly. You could have MJF surround himself, like pick eight 
jobbers, eight heels, any of them, doesn't really matter. Play the game on the roster page. But like MJF spends his money on surrounding himself with a bunch of sycophants that are just taking the money, as they did last week, to play off the fact that Wardlow's got no mates as a result of his association with MJF. Mm. Like the biggest, bigger than the pinnacle were, they're, they're rubbish. They're all complete losers for the most part. But just in quantity, just a bunch of people that are flanking MJF because he's paid for their company because it's one of the things that you can get at Wardlow for. Just by association to him, Wardlow's got nobody, and MJF can continue to pay for people. You say about Brian Cage, him plus Spears, plus so on, plus so on, plus so on, like more and more people to stop Wardlow getting anywhere near him. And you just, the whole thing is that he basically builds human armies in front of himself to keep them apart. I really like it. Spears came out tonight and said, Don't worry, I'll be your muscle now. And maybe he's got the, the, yeah. the best on or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, can't wait for tonight's dynamite. Let us know your thoughts, your predictions uh, on Twitter tonight uh, at What Culture WWE. Of course, watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick, and you can still get his brilliant book all about AEW, Becoming All Elite: The Rise of AEW, on Amazon. So do go and order that now. And I think you can possibly even still get it at shop.whatculture.com. The bosses were telling me we might have a select few copies left. I'm not sure. Regardless, go and get it. It is a fantastic read. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said, uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back a little bit later on today, myself, Sidgwick and Murray to talk about expectations versus reality when it comes to WrestleMania. And of course, if you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, our review of Dynamite will drop into your feed as soon as it is released. But now this has been the preview for AEW Dynamite. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.